Let's go. Welcome to the Poptimus Podcast. Today we have on the show musical artist Brasco and musical artist Tales. Um, where can people find you at online? How can people find your music? How can people find you, your Twitters? Um, I, at my handle on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all that is Brasco Songs. Um, but as far as like Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, all that, you just type in Brasco, B-R-A-S-K-O, and I will be there. Perfect. And for, for my stuff, uh, at This Is Tales for Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, SoundCloud, whatever. You can Google Tales, T-A-Y-L-S. You can mm-hmm. also, anywhere that you uh, stream music, could be that Apple Music, Spotify, Google, whatever, it's on there. Cool. Great. Well, uh, today I had a concept for the show. Uh, I want to go with identity. So mm-hmm. I had this, uh, this little article that I found. So I'll read it to you, part of it to you guys and see what you kind of think about it. Three gro- goals are required for the task of identity formation. The first task is discovering and developing one's personal potentials. These personal potentials refer to those things that the person can do better than other things. How the person is to discover what potentials are best. The answer is a process of trial and error. Uh, I can't even read this. Error. This requires exposure to a wide array of activities, some of which we become able to do relatively well. This is recognized by feedback we receive from others and our own positive feelings about those activities. These activities simply feel right to us, and these feelings are useful clues. We are intrinsically motivated to do those activities. However, the development of skills and talent requires time, effort, and a willingness to tolerate frustration when obstacles to improvement are encountered. That was a lot that I just read. No, no, was, no I get it. Though, yeah. Did you write that? No, I didn't write that. I was like, this was this damn, guy, Kurt Vonnegut over here. Yeah. Basics of Identity by uh, Sharon Heshmat, PhD. I got it off of Psychology Today. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that, nice. was, that was beautifully worded. Yeah. When, when, I guess I'll just start talking about my immediate thoughts about stuff like that. So you're talking about, like, finding your own self in the, within, like, you're creating a new artist or whatever, like, you're creating Brasco, you're like, what does that mean? What is this new brand I'm creating? Who does, what does that look like? What do my pictures look like? What kind of font am I using? Blah, blah, blah. Those kinds of things. I, um, yeah, when I started Tales, they'll be able to think about. So I've been playing in bands for the past 10 years in, in Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And uh, just different shapes and forms. How old are you? 28, cool. actually. I know I look like I'm 25 yeah. or 3, but like... You know, I, I take everything that I had learned and I, I gave it into to Tales, you know, and I still do. And that's where you plan out your roller coaster for like, I have everything planned out for the next two years. I have <coughs> the pictures that haven't been released yet that are going out with the EP that's not out yet, same as with the LP full length and a general concept of where that's going. So, I don't know, for me, Tales was always something that I always wanted to be. You know what I mean? Like, um, sometimes Samantha, my girlfriend, will ask me, like, where does Taylor begin and, and Tails end? You know, like, where do I separate that? And I'm still figuring that out. Because in my mind, it's very much a character. It's very much like, even though Seinfeld is a sign, he's a character, he's also himself, and it's kind of two different people, but at the same time, kind of not. And 
I like to live in that realm of ambiguity, you know. I don't know. For me, it's like the David Bowie inside of me was able to speak a little bit more clearly when I became Tails. Wow, we're so much more connected than I previously realized. Actually, yeah, no, so um, essentially I, I've been doing music since high school and uh, I released music under a different name and I was doing the teen pop thing for a while and just trying to write catchy songs. What was songs. that? It was, I was just going under Jordan Gable. Okay. And it was like uh, teen pop with like a Beyonce twist and I was doing barbershop quartet harmonies and it was fun and um, I just fell out of love with it and uh, essentially I just started writing um, like five, six days a week and then realized where my voice sat, realized the kind of music that I want to create, you know. And through that, I realized my Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and I realized Brasco's yeah. by Mr. Hyde, and the way to free myself as a performer was, at least right now, I'll probably change it up in the future, but right now was um, attacking the most fragile part of my ego, which is my masculinity. Bam. So that's why I started wearing mascara on stage, and just like, I realized, like, when I, I mean, I literally wore a dress on stage the other day, and there's just something about, do, like, because, like, I'm very much, like, just, like, a dude at the end of the day, but, like, doing that has freed me as a performer, and it's freed me as a writer, and... Big time. Yeah, because my ego's not attached to it anymore. It's just about, like, creating the best thing possible. Hmm. I've always figured my, uh, inner ego, or inner self, was, was a woman. Like, my... Who, have we not met yet? This is crazy. Like, I've always figured my outward self to be a man, but then my inward self to be somewhat like Carmen Sandiego. Like that, like, <laughs> she looks like that in my mind, and it's always been that. Way I can literally see you dressing like that too, with like the "Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego?" Yeah. Oh, and also, he just like he starts teaching us about math right now. I'm He's good on this, did. by the way. For a second, we didn't let yeah. it. Uh, yeah, that's a big ass joke. Um, but yeah, um, I like the idea of challenging masculinity and stuff like that because I didn't grow up being like the macho jock or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was. Pretty much, did you guys watch Rocket Power? I might as well have been like the lame shooby friend, you know, like I couldn't really skateboard, but I did hang out with my skateboarder yeah. friends, you know, I tried. But like, <laughs> at the end of the day, I was, I was just always a drummer, I always wanted to do music, and, mm. and, but then mm. always saw myself as a singer, but never really went for it. I was always really good at drums, and I still do drums, and I love it, like, I can always hang with the best of my know I'm good at it, but the singing is my, my pride, my, my, what I really love and love doing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. So it's. I was working with this band called Mr. Nasty when I was in college, and that was a really fun like intro into that. My he was like my, my mentor at the time. You know, he we were out of Murfreesboro, and back then the, the house show scene was like, huge because there weren't as many venues here in Nashville. I fucking love old. good house shows. They don't exist anymore, but they don't because they, we have more venues than we do the. They can hold enough bands. You know what I'm saying? Just those fuck yeah house shows. The this fuck yeah house shows yeah. this episode? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's where I cut my teeth, my bread and butter, is just doing all those yeah. house shows every yeah. day. And um, taking that energy to what we do now, I really strive to still, you know, he, at least my mentor at the time, Nicholas, he taught me what it meant to be in a band, what it meant to, to love what you're doing as an art form, no matter what. You know, he, he taught me that success is only relative to how you want to live. And that's just, in my mind, I, I get to do whatever I want to do all the time, and we're doing pretty well, you know. I don't know, it was a really big moment for me when I finally I realized that. what he was trying to say. Yeah, and I haven't recognized myself, success is kind of like sand, you know. It's, it's, you're picking up scoops as you go, you know, and you get 
But you know, like it, some everything in this world is only present for so long. Yes. So exactly. So I mean, if like you said, like the whole direction thing. If you have destinations you're moving towards, you know, yeah. you'll see how it lands and how people receive it. But that's really not up to us or anyone, you know. But we're. I mean, we can we can kind of control our vision, but we can't control how it's perceived. So the best thing we can do is just try to create the best thing mm -hmm. we can every single day. I like to think that when you create a song or put a song out or release something, that it doesn't belong to you anymore. That it belongs yeah, yeah, to yeah. everyone else because they're gonna you know morph that into how they want. And that's how I like to receive music. And I love to to look at the video and attach an emotion to it, the song, the same thing. You know, I like to. Just like watching an anime or a television show, you like you like the character. I like attach myself to things and you make it my own, whatever. So I like the For idea sure. of giving them it away and be like, it's it's yours now, yeah. whatever. I'll perform it. But it's well, that's song. the uh, the true beauty of I think of the arts in general is that as soon as something's made, it's like you're only with whatever the thing is that you're making, and then it just goes out into the world and mm -hmm. everybody else mm -hmm. gets to have their feelings about it, I guess, is what you could say. Yeah, yeah that's it's kind of beautiful. I mean, music is just a spiritual, a spirit, it feels zen-like when, when you get everything sinking in. Well, when there's a song that I'm truly proud of, I, I don't feel like I wrote it. I mean, I've even said that to people, it's like, yeah. that I, feel like it, I feel like the song is already there, and you're just kind of like scratching just off a lottery The piece. vessel for it. Yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, based on my life experiences and what I've learned through, I maybe through music theory, maybe not, because I know people that operate around that perfectly fine for them. But I think it's just we're using the tools we're given to you know, etch off that lottery piece of what is already existing. You know, Michael Jackson actually said, he said, uh, the biggest thing that comes between the songwriter and the song is the songwriter. Yeah. That, that also is a good point about, like, um, you know, people will ask, like, do you have to be inspired to write a song? Or you just, uh, sometimes it just fucking happens. Sometimes, like, I, you just have to be open to a song happening at any moment, which is the beautiful thing about the future mm -hmm. phones that we have now, is I can sit there and, like, record it or write it down any time. And I think, at least for me, I have to just yeah. be open and aware that when people are talking, that there might be a situation that I put, need to write down, or, yeah. or an idea, or a thought. Or yeah. just, I can't, it's hard for me to plan a 8 a.m., I'm going to get up and I'm going to write until 3. And then, yeah. you know, like, I, like Jesse, my, he sings a Creature Comfort. He's, I've known him since I was five years old, he's one of the best songwriters I know. He does a thing where he writes two songs every day. No matter if they're shit or not, he writes two songs every day. And I'm like, I've tried to do it, and I just get frustrated and mad. You know, like, this is just not... I like to imagine he's going outside of his genre, too. Like, he's writing polka songs. It's like, dude, you are pumping them out, son. He might, dude. Yeah. Jesse is a pharmacist in, like, his day job. Mm -hmm. And then uses all of that money to feed it into Creature Comfort. It's nice. Insane, yeah. That's awesome. I know. I respect that hustle. Oh, absolutely. I'm a blessed oh, yeah. bandmate. I'll take that much. <laughs> One time when I was in high school, I was in this band, and, uh... There's like I was like by the way I was a I was like a 15 year old in a band with a bunch of 20 year olds, but one of the bandmates was 28, and he literally worked at a factory, and it was the factory that um, D I'm from Akron, Ohio. Uh -huh. The the drummer from Devo like he owns it. What? It's crazy. Anyways, he worked at this factory, and uh, he like he was just bored with all this money, and he just wanted to be in the band. So he joins this band with a bunch of 20 year olds with a 15 year old lead singer, <laughs> and just starts like we we. Pretty much have a label 
at this point because like you know now that we got like, new amps we got merch like everything we needed we were like oh this is awesome so I got a skewed version of that right away and then you know when I started my new project what I was actually like passionate about I got a fast check at reality you know? oh, yeah. Isn't that hilarious yeah that's uh man Ohio I have the most drunk stories ever in Ohio <laughs> hey don't we all like, don't man, we all? Do, you, do you know this band called The Most Beautiful Lizards? Uh, wait. Mm -hmm. like, I don't think I do. Kind of sound uh, like the replacements for these like older big guys with like, beards who look like they should be playing metal or something. Yeah. I mean, I've had the most... They had... Oh my god. My first tour... 2011? Yeah, 2011. And, uh... In a van, no AC, middle of July. We end up like week three and we're playing this bruise fest. I'm in an indie band called Children of Spy, playing drums. And we're playing Bruise Fest, which is a bunch of like metal bands and these like like harder sounding replacements bands and stuff like that, which were really yeah. great. But um just like big dudes who wanna cry with you. And like but they just had like stupid shit. That shot. might be the worst kind, like punch me in the face, like I'm not letting you close to my heart. No nope. more like they'll they'll like <laughs> They'll like punch somebody else for you, like and like become best friends oh. with you after one night of drinking with them and stuff like that. Anyway, they own their own bar, just like a sitcom or something. They have their own bar together, and then we all played a show in Akron. That's they had, where I'm from. Akron. They had this. They had this shot called the Loser named after them, and it's a PBR can, and you fill the top of it with Jameson before you crack it, and then you snort the Jameson. Chug the PBR and then put lemon in your eye. I like to imagine that an alien somewhere is observing the planet and the first thing they zoom in on is that and they're like, this is some bullshit, <laughs> Like, we thought we found intelligent life. As a human watching it go yeah, down, it was, like, it was no, no, no. They were like, no, like, it, um, aliens were about to contact us and they were like, no sign of intelligent life here. And then they just like keep going. There were no yeah. signs of intelligent life that night, yeah. that's for sure. And I love that. That's beautiful to me. Yeah. Like, that is a beautiful experience. And I've been laying in the back of this, like, pickup truck getting my hair braided by these big, giant women, just, like, with all these tattoos. Dude, that sounds great, if I'm being completely honest. Wasn't a bad night. Oh, man, that's I, funny. I did wake up on stage the next day. <laughs> stage? <That's, that's, laughs> we stayed the night. That's I would be, oh, be so good. We didn't leave the venue, like, it was, like... Oh, I thought you meant, like, you were so drunk that you were, like... I think I'm sober. Oh, and it's time to play. And like, I think it meant like you woke up, like, and then you were just on stage the next no, day. No, we played, and then they got plastered, and mm -hmm. then we stayed. They like just the bar liked us so much, and they had friends and stuff. Uh, tight community is in that. A story. tight community of people that know what rock and roll means, if I might add. <laughs> that's absolutely. They know it. rock and roll drinking is, heard. I guess. I don't know. It was a hey, hand in hand. I know about that tour with that no AC life though. I went on, um, I did this quick little run, and it sounds so weird. Do you guys know who Mark Cohn is? I go walking in Memphis. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, that dude. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the 80s. Um, so, like, I don't know how many people fell off this tour for, like, them to hit up a, like, teen pop artist in Nashville. But whatever. Um, they eventually, like, I, they had to have someone come out on the road with him. But I'm... So I'm playing in front of like 800 people a night, but open it up for the walk in Memphis guy. Yeah, but oh, shit. what? This is such a crazy story. But they're all like 60 and up. So like none of them have Instagrams. This is like uh, 2013. None of them have Twitter. 
I don't have merch, which is the word, the most stupidest thing in the world. And so I'm, uh, so I do all my songs like I kind of jazz it up a bit, and I play like a Burt Bacharach tune if you know. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> Just to like make them like it, but dude, it literally was like. I had like a green room, like I was getting treated like a queen, like a queen, like a king every single night, like them just like bringing out grapes and like drinks and stuff on the top of the tower, but I got like no new followers, and I got like a bunch of like, good job from like a bunch of 60 year olds, <laughs> I was like, oh, nice, but like I'm a Tugger fan and Mark Cohn is, so we just talked about that, like he's an 80s artist at... I'm a huge influence. Do you know who Todd Rungan is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I figured you would. Mm -hmm. Something, yeah. Yeah. He's Not like a huge fan, but I, I'm aware of him. Yes. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were some of his hits again? I know, I know, I know. I know his songs. That was the one of my favorite records. What is I it? I don't want to work. Oh, I just want to bang. I'm a drum all day. Yeah, it's on the ever so popular Tortured Artist Effect. That's the name of the album. That's not an album. It's also the Green Bay Packers uh, theme song. Oh, God. The royalty check, hello. But he also has <laughs> yeah, that song. No um, we can play this game anymore, but can we still be friends? Have you heard that one? I don't know if I have. Have you seen Vanilla Sky? Yes. You know when Tom Cruise Tom is like, Bruce. you know when Tom Cruise is like accidentally like, or I don't know what happens in it, when he's like murdering his wife or whatever? Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it. That murder scene they put Tom Rungren in. Oh, really? Which is so, it's a love song, too. Really so it's a real weird yes. scene to Tarantino. watch that way, yeah. Oh. He's got a, got a cult following. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, he definitely has a cult following. I'm definitely a part of that cult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it sucks. Well, I have a, uh, this other thing that I was reading about from Sigmund Freud. He was saying that uh, we're basically made of three parts, mm. which is the id, the unconscious animal instinct, pleasure-oriented and selfish, the ego, conscious, rational, driven by reality principle, balances demands of id and superego. And the superego is the last part of the personality to develop, mm -hmm. concerned with morals, right and wrong, uh, develops through socialization. What was the three words part at the top where it says that what we're... Uh, the unconscious... Animal instinct, pleasure oriented, and selfish. That's what. So many more words than three. Yeah, but the, those are like uh, what our base needs are. You know, it's like yeah, the sure. meat for yeah. food, water, mm. the ego. But yeah, I just thought that was super interesting sure. to think about, like how our personalities are formed and why why we feel a certain way about music and what kind of role. Yeah. Does it play on our lives? Is it something that we're born? Is it something that's instinctual in us? Or is it something that we develop over time? I think you have different moments. And I feel like music is something that creates like a... It, it's a it's like 3D poetry. You can, I can like make you feel how I feel. But you have a certain spiritual moments of what this other person, the songwriter, has tapped into and presents it to the world. Mm -hmm. You know, So other people are just going through the world and... A moment happens, and that's the background music of it. Like, I will never forget the first time I heard A Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. Oh, what an amazing song. Yeah, that opening chord, which, by the way, they do, like, eight different shapes on it, like, when they tracked it. I will, I will literally never forget that moment. And I think I was, like, kind of late. Like, I know, I think I heard it when I was a kid, but I remember the first time I cared. I was 11 years old, and I was just learning the guitar. And when I put on that 
record and that first song, that opening chord played, I was like, <laughs> I was like, mm, maybe I shouldn't do this music thing. But then obviously just wildly intrigued me and I was just like, oh my god. I remember the first time I cried after a breakup where, you know, and you guys probably do too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. No, I, uh, speaking of the Beatles thing, I, I remember if you had asked, if you, if you asked me like, you know, top three songs change your life forever. And I define these moments as like, the first one was definitely, hands down, uh, I Am The Walrus. Mm. You know, when I heard that song, I'd actually heard it first as a punk cover on a skateboarding video that I was watching with my friends and I was like, <laughs> That's really a hard song, dude. Like, punk's not hard. Okay, let us do a song that's hard to transpose to punk. Cool. Okay. But me and my friends yeah, were like, yeah. what is this? And then yeah. I went and we listened to it, and I was like, music can be made like this? Mm. No, are you serious? This is the weirdest thing ever. And I had, like, that cool science teacher at the time. And he would let us, like, play music before the class, before class started. Mm. And I was, like, really into it. I was like, oh, music guy, that's me. You know, I'd bring my drumsticks everywhere because yeah. it, 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 it's cool, you know, whatever. That wasn't cool. I was, like, at parties, like, drumming on my leg. That girl's <laughs> gonna love me. Didn't work. Um, oh God, I know. I, I can't stop doing that. And I know how well it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> don't play guitars at parties. Don't don't play the drums at parties, Taylor. You know better. Um, anyway, he didn't play it because of the uh, Knickers part. I was really mad. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. We, I think we remember the, like those moments, you know? This other person tapped into something spiritual. We're going through this thing called life that's, you know... We're here for a limited amount of time, but we're all kind of connected in a weird way. Like, our hate comes from a specific place, our love comes from a specific place. And I just think as we go through this thing called life, someone else has tapped into something and they kind of like spin the light your way, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a unifying thing, music. Yeah, absolutely. And if we're already connected, it makes you feel like you're connected to something. Yeah. Especially in a world like today's world. Yeah. Everything's very disjointed. I, I personally believe now is the, the greatest time to, to ever be a musician. I think a lot of people are like, you know, it's not like the old days, but I feel the opposite. I feel like there's so much opportunity, an opportunity to do everything yourself. Yeah, that's absolutely And you have creative control, mm -hmm. which I think is the most important thing. No, that's a very people are able to develop themselves. Optimistic. Yes. Way. To view things. Yes. There you go. I'll be here all night. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's because I feel negative a lot. I absolutely agree. I, I'm really excited about where music's headed, and I'm I love being a part of the community that that I am right now. I feel kind of it feels like a web of people that I know and you know attached to. Who, mm -hmm. um, we operate together. I have people who help, I help put on shows and vice versa and. Um, I have people that I can ask for money and I, uh, for promoting my shows and I give them back money through uh, ticket sales and stuff like that. I get sponsorships and things like that through local businesses and all kinds of charities and things and it really does feel like this, I don't know, wave. I don't know, it's like hovering little fog over us all web. Yeah. I mean, when on the, you know, on the TV you see moments in life where people are just like, you know, so like verbal war all the time, you know, so willing to just, like, cut someone else's ankles. When you get those moments of, like, I got you, you know? Yeah. Like, just, it yeah. doesn't matter, like, your your age, your gender, your, the pigment, <laughs> the pigmentation of your skin. People are just like, you know, I got you. We're good right now. You know? It's a beautiful yeah. moment because of that. It's not a, it's not a huge, 
intense level of competition between mm-hmm. local musicians. You know, I feel like we very much feel like we could all help each other. There's a sense of community in there. It's way different. Everyone's like mm. fucking enemies. Really? <laughs> oh my god. I had to shake so much Cleveland off me when I like, got to Nashville because everyone's so nice. Like, let's be friends. I'm like, who are you? What do you want from me? You know? <laughs> like, I had to nice. shake off all the Cleveland in me when I came here. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an easy way to... So the saying is, at least here, I don't know about everywhere else, but... You know, if you want to play shows, you got to go to shows. You know, because the yeah. people who are going to shows are all musicians who also play shows, and you know, you just give back and forth to each other. Yeah, in Nashville, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely excellent. Yeah, I like that it's a hustle like that. Yeah, oh, definitely. Everybody all working together. Yeah. I really like that part of things. I, I really like the grind of always having to work on the craft in some yeah. way. Yeah, you always need to be going out and introducing yourself to people and seeing other people do art and, and what's happening around you at least yeah you have a better gauge of what's going on yeah I know I think it's uh, can't just sit in your bedroom and go man my songs are dope yeah <laughs> oh, that's the truth wait till everybody hears this well who's everybody who knows nothing yeah. about you and you'll you'll even see artists like that where well, I know plenty of people yeah. like that they're my friends but even, <laughs> yeah. if you're listening you're probably like that I sound like, like that I yeah absolutely but there's I think there's a time where, where you've seen artists like that and um, where like say like it's taken to the extent of like my songs are dope then a, like a major label signs them and it's like nobody's ever heard their music yet you know and then I like there's plenty of situations where, like, I'm like, oh, they were a golden egg, you know? But more times than not, I think locally, maybe it doesn't spread outside where that will happen and everybody's just like, oh, they weren't ready to, like, you know, deliver. I know I wasn't. I absolutely wasn't when I moved here. Like, I had to go out and, like, bang my head against the wall to, like, be able to, like, deliver the right way. Nashville is another level when you move here because everybody is so fucking good. Dude, I know. It's hard. And that's where you're going to find how your identity, how you're unique because you can't really... I'm a guitar player. I will never be like, you know, be able to compete with the best shredder. Or like with someone that's going to be on The Voice, you know, but like how do all these things that you can do intersync with something that can... Because everybody needs something back and forth. How do you benefit? Intent is everything. Intent is everything. I'm, Absolutely. I'm not the best singer in the world, but I'm a goddamn great performer, you know, and I believe in myself, and mm. I see it in my mind, and I practice in front of a mirror, I get everything down, everything is, like, planned out for a while. So, like, intent just goes Absolutely. far. Dude, I would like to argue neither was John Lennon, and that was the first moment I had the boom. He's, the first O, it's been a hard, ow, literally comes completely out of his nose. But it's beautiful because when he's like, oh, it's been a hard day's night, he's like, damn, yeah. you feel me? Yeah. Like, that's what John Lennon's saying. Like, do you feel me? Yeah. I just did yeah. a couple takes the other night, and it's so fun. Like, when you can hear yourself singing that clearly, and just, you kind of, on the moment, even come up with these, like, weird things you can do with your voice that you didn't really plan just because you can hear it mm-hmm. and it's almost like playing guitar like when you're recording like that because I can hear my voice go up and down or whatever and like something that may sound really weird when I'm right here you know could sound really awesome like in the right mix and oh. I did that the other day it was really cool like I just did this one track I was like Greg 
sounds great, but I need more emotion. I need more emotion. I was like, I'm just going to do a track. I was like, let's just call it an emotion track, and I'm just going to scream and just like go out of tune and do all of that shit and, you know, just really go for it. I did that for every track after that. It was great. Yeah. I loved it. I still love it. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, I really added to it, you know. Yeah. Is this for your new EP that's coming out? Mm-hmm. Do you have a release date for that? I gotta talk to my team about that. Um, but I'm shooting for late March, early April, because I want to get. I kind of am planning it around the show, and I'm seeing what other bands are available. Uh, I'm going for the Mercy Lounge or Exit In, and like um, I have all these like little tiny plans, you know. And if everything doesn't fall into place, I'm just kind of keep pushing it because. Nothing kills creativity like a deadline, but I've already, in, in a way, you know what I mean? I, I push myself to get everything done as, as quickly as I can. Last night... Well, yeah, when making a record, I can't have a deadline. I'm like... Yeah. I'm saying, like... Things happen as... Right, just... I'll be down with mixing. When it gets to mixing, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's go. Cause that's where I'm at now. Yeah. That's where I'm more okay putting it. But, like, when I'm writing, it's like, okay, you're writing, you need a couple more songs you haven't gotten yet. But uh, around this time next year is right when you need to like you know mm -hmm. that's when, which even if they're like oh two years from now like don't literally just don't put a date on it it could be like at the end of this because it's all perfect you know it could not be yeah yeah I give myself a kind of a pretend deadline but and honestly and I knew so okay for example last night I had a recording time scheduled with Greg and I was like and Greg he's so he's so good to me he he doesn't really ask me too much questions, he just does what I tell him to do, and he indulges me. And however, whatever that means. I'm like, alright, we're gonna redo your guitar playing, and I've already hit up, like, four people to come over and do some, like, backup, like, game vocal stuff. He's like, man, at what time? I was like, ten. And they're probably gonna do it till, like, one a.m. And he's like, what? I was like, we're gonna have a good time, we're gonna have a bunch of beer, we're gonna have a great time, don't worry about it. He's like, god damn it. But he indulges me with that shit, and so do a lot of people, so they come in, I'm, I'm so... So gifted, all these people just put up with my bullshit. But you're quite the way with words. Eh? I, I try to like make it fun, you know. And yeah. we had a good time, you know. And then we just all did this big gang vocal stuff. And then finally, that was like the last thing I had to do for the single that I needed to put out. So now it's gonna go to mixing. I'll have it out by the end of the month, probably the whole EP out by the end of the month. And uh, get meet up with the team, figure out what's next. The Flaming Lips started off because. They would just call. That's my favorite band. I love Flaming Lips. I fucking love Flaming Lips. Seen them twice. Long. Even his probably also the song they wrote for the Batman Forever soundtrack. Banger. The, you hate your boss at your job. Oh, you know that was the way that like changed their career, right? Like that really? was because of they got so. That was the first one I've known that since I was a child. That was the first one I liked by them. Right. So getting onto that was like changed oh, yeah. their career forever because the people knew about them, and then they got on like that two one oh, and then. Huh. She Don't Use Jelly came out, and oh, that's my favorite band of all time. How many times have you guys seen them play New York Lives? Oh man, dude, I've never seen them live. Whoa! I know, I know, I know, I, I know. Oh. I don't know how many. And I love them, too. I've, I've played he shows with count. members of the Flaming Lips, too. <coughs> Actually, Space Face. So, Space Face is Jake Ingalls, and he plays guitar and keys for the Flaming Lips. And his band is from Memphis. And I reach out to them quite often and get them to come play in Nashville. They recently played my Halloween party uh, with Tails, Dead Party. 
That was awesome. We did a big old Gorillaz cover set and had like Foundation and all these other rappers. The on fucking Gorillaz are awesome. It was insane. You guys listen to their new record? Uh-huh. The Gorillaz? Yeah, it's actually really cool. Got uh, the power to do that. I like that uh, yeah. that girl vocal there. Yeah, it's like, yeah. so shouty and cool. Everything's so choppy and percussive. That's what I like about it. It's like, like it's just like yeah, it's very. It's very dancey, but in like a 90s, like, East Coast type way. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Damon Albarn is a a genius. I mean, Have you checked out, genius. you know, the, the, that Lily Singer Blur, right? You yeah. Know that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I was about to get into that. Blur's recent record that they came back together and did, I think it was like in the last two years or something. Literally yeah, check out, to that the second I leave here. Check out a song no called existed. Ghost Ship. Okay, absolutely. I had no idea that was a thing. There was a couple, there was another good song on that album that I knew. I can't remember what the name was. The one with the ice cream cone on the cover? Yeah. The big LED ice cream cone? I can't remember what the fuck the name of the song is. I don't know. Blur has some great songs. They're a great band. Yeah. I'm a pulp and Oasis guy. When it comes to (laughs) pop, I love pulp and I love Oasis. Recently, for Christmas, I got, uh, my guitar player got me this. I mean, we'll watch these Oasis documentaries together and go, okay, good. Learn the Don't Believe the Truth documentary is one of my favorites. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Oh, la, la. oh, man, they're so good. Um, he got me this CD. It's like all the bands that surround Oasis and like they're like, I don't know, just it's like, it'd be like if your friends put a compilation together and they called it like, you know, Friend of Bastion, like, you know. I don't know, it's, it's pretty weird. I've been listening to it on the way here. It's just like all these like, weird rip-hop songs that no. nobody ever put out. It's like, but it has like, like members of Oasis and shit on there. I don't know. That's cool. <laughs> the deep cuts. Yeah. 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 Pretty gotta cool. Love the, gotta mm-hmm. love the Brit-pop deep cuts. There's a, there's a Brit, like, actual pop. Like, not like... So, like, you're talking about Brit-rock, right? Yeah, well, in the yeah. 90s... Brit pop, it's yeah. called Brit pop at the time. Yeah, it's so crazy. There's a British duo pop group that I don't know if you guys ever listened to. They're called Yazoo, and then they changed their name to Yaz. Dude, it's a gold mine of of like they were just doing what people are doing now. Like as far as the arpeggiated like synths, like the beautiful melodies on top of it. Like mm-hmm. before all these guys right now on the radio, they were doing it. Um, I heard the song. The reason I found that was I started watching the British Office. And the kissing scene between the British Jim and Pam starts uh, playing this gorgeous synth song, and I was like, "Oh man, I wish the song was mine. Like, if I could rip it off, I totally would." Yeah. Um, and I looked it up, and it was them, and all their music videos, and like everything is so like everything like 1975, like all all these bands right now, they were already doing it, and it's crazy. I highly recommend you checking them out. Definitely. Have you heard uh, Neil Young's Trans? before it's this record that he did in the 80s and his and I oh man I'm going to be so pissed if I'm wrong about this but the, what I've heard and I, th- I think I've seen I think I've read I'm gonna but the story goes Neil Young's son was in a coma um, or at least was just like you know in the hospital for a very long time is this a real thing? yes and he was in a contract with you know his record label at the time to do X amount of records trying um you know, he, you know, I can't do this at the time, you know, my, my son is in a coma, 
like we I can't I can't work on music right now. Blah yeah. blah. Like, and they're like, well, that? too bad, dude. You gotta put out something. That is the music industry right there. Yeah. That, I just want to say like, oh yeah, your son's dying. We don't care. Especially like, in the '80s. And yeah. so what he did was he rewrote a bunch of his songs, but did it uh, as like an electronic record <laughs> to add to maybe speak to his son. Like in his mind, uh -huh. it was like I could maybe play these electronic. Noises for my kid who's uh, up, hooked up to these electronic machines and like you know. I can't even imagine his voice on the electronic. So it sounds like Daft Punk, like Transformer Man. It's like Transformer. <laughs> and that probably sounded exactly like that too. Exactly, you can check it out. It's like a bunch of Neil Young songs <laughs> and doing the Daft Punk thing before Daft Punk. It's really weird oh, and gosh, awful almost. Nice. But then here's the thing: they sued him for intentionally making a record that would not sell. Damn, dude, honestly, there's no nice way to say this. Fuck those dudes. Literally, like, he was trying to do the best for his son, and they, like, went after him like that. They're like, what is this piece of shit? Neil, he's like, it's my masterpiece. And then they're like, we're suing you for making awful music. Yeah, we're like, um, yeah, I don't know if you know how this works, but you kind of are on a leash for us. So, uh, just be a good boy, okay? It's like, that's how they're other talking to him. It's still on Spotify and stuff, yeah. so I guess he won somewhere. I probably love it. He just released his whole catalog. it out. <laughs> but he just released his it. whole catalog online. Really? Yeah. Like, for, for free? Like from what I understand, yeah. No. Ooh, I was listening, I was listening to it after the Gold Rush, like, pretty regularly. Only Love Can Break Your Heart. Do you remember the first time that you heard after the, the, that record? Yes, I was, that I was with my grandpa. Yeah, we were driving down. I To say, like, I know, we are driving down to freaking, I think, Pittsburgh to see this, like, Tecumseh play. Or something like that. Oh. <laughs> Me, my dad, and grandpa, and I was really little bit to that. And they put on, like, because I remember at first being like, oh, I want to listen to Baxter Boys. And they put on Neil Young. And then just something about the moment. Caught yeah. me, and then I mm -hmm. got it. That's when I got Neil Young, just in that moment. Yeah. yeah. I was in... First tour ever. Seven weeks long. And... Week three or four into it. And we had just made $700 the night before from one individual, which is another story, completely. Um, but the van broke down the very next day. Like, we ran out of money, made $700. Next day, van breaks down in the middle of Iowa. Perfect. Um, <laughs> right. But we caught we were playing a house show. Fuck yeah, house shows. And they picked us up an hour it'd be like if the van broke down in like Lebanon or something and then we played it out, you know, they, they went and picked us up. The people like but in the house. Yeah, they went they sent people out to I get love this they picked us culture. up. <laughs> they got us a, a I love Iowa. I love Iowa. Nothing's bad to say about Iowa people from Iowa. But they picked us up, got to the house show. Our van got towed to the right place in the same city, but when we got there, people had pizza, money, beer, weed, and instruments for us waiting. It's like sitting there like a big fucking Christmas tree. And we sat there and played our, our songs and cried, and then they, the people who lived there, let us know afterwards, like, hey, so, listen, we know your band's break, broke down, we seem to ha have a very similar vibe going on, we like you and we think you like us. Um, we're about to go on this bike ride across all of Iowa. And I forget what it's called, but it's an annual thing where people bike ride all, like, horizontally, across yeah. Iowa. What and time of year is this? July. And, like, um, middle of summer, but in Iowa it was great. Yeah, and uh, on a big farm. And uh, gave us keys to their house. 
said our girlfriends are going to come check up on you and take you to the movies and get you some whatever you need. And trust you? Yeah. Okay, that's where I draw the line. I was no. like, the good I was like people. hey, we never met. The good in people exists when you tour, I swear. Yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. crazy. I mean, that to me is That's beautiful. And yeah. we are friends people, to this day. Oh, by the way, yeah, though, our friends, friends are going to come give you free blowjobs. Don't worry about it. We uh, love no, you. No, they did take us to the movie. We went and saw this, uh, I forgot what it was called, but it was like a Planet Earth type thing. Yeah. But it, we sure all cried. Go. We all cried. We were all sitting there just like, ah! <laughs> like, because we've already been through a lot on the tour, and we just were there for three days. We're so small. I'm smoking so big. the best weed I've ever smoked in my life, and the biggest Dude, beanbag chair I've ever oh. seen in my life. Go in there. We're like in the back of a dumpster. We're like, damn it, Taylor. I love playing. <laughs> like, no, I love playing. Like, Fairfield, Iowa has this really small, small community, but there's like two venues, and or two bars, one venue. So when they, people come play, Fucking packed out, and they sell everything. They make like thousand dollars, and I love it. And they come back next time, and it's like looks like the fucking Gilmore Girls downtown. And we all love Gilmore Girls. I do. No, I was just saying like I wish music was playing right there. That's how yeah, I discovered so a lot of music. <laughs> like yeah, um, absolutely. Seventh. I was more of a camera obscura. Oh my god. I watched Seventh Heaven. So I, heard, I saw this interview where Bowie was like, you know. A lot of the boys didn't want, you know, Mick Monson didn't want to, I'm good actually, didn't want to uh, put on the makeup and everything, so I started telling him, you know, you look a little green, you look a little sick, you should put on a little makeup cover, and I'd be like, really? Like, yeah, you look a little sick. <laughs> so, and I then, love Bowie. once hilarious. they started to realize that they were getting girls because they are putting on more makeup and looking like women, that they were like, oh, okay, like, People want, are drawn to things that are pretty, so, yeah. I love that about them. That's a great story. That's yeah, story. I mean, there's some. It's just so fun questioning, like, like, why do people like going to see drag queens? You know, that's so fun. It's just freedom. It's, yeah. it's it, to me, it just looks like raw energy. Yeah. you know, on stage. Some of them are so talented. It's just like bright lights. Just yeah. like, psh, 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 I met lights. Willem one time. If you guys know who that is, he's like I one don't. of the most famous, uh, a drag stars. I met him, and his performance was like. Absolutely breathtaking and like so talented on his own too. Yeah, it was it was it was wild to see actually. And I love an environment where everybody like even though I'm I'm not gay, going into that like community where everybody feels so accepted. They feel like yeah. they're they're worried about it everywhere else, but in this place they know that they're safe. There's something so beautiful about yeah. that to me. So them enjoying entertainment from really talented people like sign me up. You know, I had a couple drag queens from a single release show basically a while back. That was fun. We played Scissor Sisters cover. Take your mama out. I love Scissor Sisters. So Scissor Sisters are That's my shit. That is my song when I'm ready to get like pumped to like at any time, like working out or whatever. Like that song just my man. It's the way that it's the mix on it. Just gets it's so perfect. The bass like high and trouble. Every the mix on it is like. It really is. I mean, it's like a disco song. But it like, is. It is a disco song. Wait, what, what was, what's the verse of that? That that is that makes me love you so much. Yeah. Yeah. You get pumped to that, like, That's my shit. you're going to be good for the day. Because it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. I like Night Work. I like that album. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's the, Wait, like, that's not the one with the with the Pink Floyd cover on it. No, no. no. By the way, ballsy move. 
Like, yeah, we're gonna make disco music and we're gonna make a disco cover of Comfortably Numb. Let's see how Pink Floyd fans eat that up, sweetheart. Their like, cover, their cover is, is good. It is, though. Unless you're like a Pink Floyd fan that hates everything else besides Pink Floyd, because those people do exist. Yes, they do. They do. Oh, man. Yeah, no, but, um, Scissor Sisters. Man, I have not heard that name in a minute. Yeah. I wonder what they're doing. Uh, I think they were on tour last year. <laughs> This is crazy. I mean, you can just make your money tour. Like, if I heard Scissor Sisters were coming to Nashville, I'd be like, alright, blocking everything off. Oh, just, right? I think Especially now, like, after it's been so long since they've had a hit or anything, you know? Yeah. They're a great band. They write some really catchy songs. They do. And tackled it weird ways. The fact that that found its way into pop culture at all is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Think about is. them dreaming up Scissor Sisters producing those songs the way that they did, yeah. and it's working out kind of, their friends had to be like, alright, uh, I know nothing about the world, you know? Because, and that's beautiful to me, that they had a vision and they showed up and they did it, Yeah, know? Man, they're very unique, that's for sure. Also, that name kills me. Yeah. yeah. From, like, especially, especially who they are. Yeah. And that just, I think, will stop there. But, uh, yeah, no, it's yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah, what a man. I'm always drawn to like the super big show type thing, you know, uh -huh. just like yeah. like the first time I saw the flame lips come out of a vagina. I'm like, well, that's what I'm doing from now on. Gotta do that type of shit. Yeah, um, I would like to uh, come out to Screaming Fans on a vagina. That sounds great. Uh, yeah, I would like to not work at a telemarketing company. That's something I would love to not do as opposed to coming out of a giant vagina as a rock star. Yeah. I love those dudes. They're so funny to me. I want to do that so bad. Talk about identity. That, that those guys played into their identity. And Wayne at, yeah. does not waver that. You know, he's not giving that up for anybody. I look at them. I'm just so inspired by all the like the color, like yeah. on their website and everything. Is their continuity? Yeah. All that kind of good stuff. Their music is very positive, also. Mm -hmm. Can be, yeah, for sure. There, I mean, there are some songs that are a little bit more dark oriented, especially yeah. lately. Um, but for sure, in the early years, and I don't, they just do whatever the fuck they want, and I love that. Yeah. Totally artistic freedom, you know. Just not that they're like any similar type of artist, but this year I went to a Snoop Dogg concert. Tight. It was awesome, by the way. But this is like, so first of all, like the. I had a blast, and I love Snoop, and Fuck yeah. I had all the songs, it was just so fucking good. It was so tight. It was so tight. I bet Anyways. he's a great a great performer, too. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, he, he was, but also at the same time, he did not move. He literally came out there like he was about to fall asleep and just fucking chilled in his zone. But anyways, so the the was yeah, the background looks yeah, you know he was iced for sure. But the background, the graphic design literally looks like it was done like by some dude on a PowerPoint, and it's all green for weed. And then this dog, I was like. That's that's pretty crazy. He has all this money, and that's what his you know graphic design looks like. But it's making me happy. Then this dude comes out dressed like a giant dog, with a big dick on it, and starts swinging it around. And as we're all laughing and being like, "Yeah, fucking big dog with a big dick," because it's hilarious. That's the, the name of this podcast: Big Dog with a Big Dick. Big dog. That is. I know, dude. I'm not making any of this up. And because we were all there at the, um, there's the amphitheater, and I was thinking about the dude inside that dog. 
was like, yo, how much is he paying this dude? What if he's like the dude that when he gets on the tour bus, they're like, hey, dog dick dude, you can go sit over there. Like, he's not even, like, tight with the crew. Oh or he's their motherfucking boy. And, like, you know, he's got their back. Oh, I got a tear laughing out of yeah. you. Yeah, no, that was... You, just because really that's the most Snoop Dogg yeah. thing you've ever heard. He's still touring and he's still doing that shit. Yeah. You guys need to look up... Are you Metallica fans at all? Um, yeah, sure. Okay. You know Sad But True? Of Sad course, yeah. Okay, so there is this, uh... I don't know, early 2000s, like, VH1 <laughs> honoring Metallica thing while these artists are covering Metallica. One of them, which happens to be Snoop Dogg, and he gets up there and does Sabbath True, it's like, Wait, um, what? Dude! He's up there. He's my favorite human alive. just like this. He's like, I'm your dream, make it real. Oh I'm my your god. And you must steal Sabbath True. Oh my god, dude. And they're like, He's my favorite human being. <laughs> Snoop Dogg came out and did Sabbath True. He learned those lyrics and came up and did it. You got it. Metallica. You got it. So, uh, <laughs> kind of related. I don't know why. Oh, man. Like, I'm gonna get dog for this, but maybe when I think of Snoop Dogg, sometimes I think about Ludacris as well. Cause like I don't know this early '90s, you yeah, know, sure, yeah. kids, whatever. Ludacris, Snoop Dogg, I don't know. Yeah. People gonna, I don't know. People can hate on that, whatever. But I just thought this one time I saw Ludacris at Bonnaroo, and he's like, "How many people like Nirvana?" And everybody's like, "Yeah, what's up, Nirvana?" And he plays like smells like Teen Spirit, just like the track doesn't like rap over it or do anything. No, I just kind of stood there and was like. <laughs> Yo, like, they just, like, played it for everybody to, like, sing along to and listen to. Like, uh -huh. didn't even did his, do his own, like, version of nothing. Dude, I was like... <laughs> that's actually terrible, but that's so I don't funny. know, man, it's kind of punk rock. You know, like, if you're yeah. ludicrous, like, to just play a fucking Nirvana track, like, yeah. and be t totally stoked about it. Yeah. Whatever, it's his fucking show. You, you're gonna do... Do whatever he says you're gonna do. I don't know. Bro, I, I wanna like do that <laughs> with my show, but, like, stop in the middle, like, everyone's all hyped to me, and, like, right now... Are there any fans out there that are, that are fans of, uh, wait, what was the funny, like, a good, odd one? The Cures Unplugged. Have they sat on the floor like they were in Asia? That shit was so tight. In fact, we're gonna watch a song from that right now. And I just sit on the front, and they're watching, and they're like, yeah, this is pretty good. And then I just get back up, and they're like, well, that was pretty odd. Man, that's, which, by the way, have you seen that? The Cures Unplugged no, on TV? It's but I have been in a band before where during the set, uh, there was, um, a part where we would do like a um, Bill a Bill Hicks thing, where like Bill, Hill, Bill we, Hicks is great. But we did do the part like just a ride, you know, speech. Um, but it would be like I would, pl I would play drums to an Ableton track, which also was linked yeah. up to a video. And, yeah. and I would just have to like <laughs> kneel like yeah. this, like to get underneath the so everybody yeah. could see him yeah. talking and stuff like that. But it was a really a lot of beautiful moments of watching people kind of just like, whoa, this is like Bill Hicks moment right now, yeah. dude. Holy shit. And then I found, like a year ago or something, I don't know if I still have it in my wallet, but it's just, it's just a, this card, it's all black, and on the front of it, it says, Bill Hicks was right. And on the back of it is nothing. I love that. I want to have it. I want to create cards like that that say, Charlton Heston was the best Moses. With nothing on the back, and now Charlton Heston played Moses in that movie. Oh, like, yeah. But it's a weird sentence, too. It's like, wait, wasn't Moses the best Moses? No, man. He was like, motherfucker, what's your name? Uh, Bill? Oh, hi, Bill. Charlton Heston would be a better Bill. And it's like, yeah, and there you go. It's a real thing. Bill Hicks was right about everything. Love that.
That's amazing. I've kept on to it for a long time. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, just promote Charlton Heston specifically in that movie. <laughs> Somebody paid for these and then left them everywhere. Like, that was their own prerogative. Mm. Wonder who that person is. Mm. Like, what kind of person, individual? Maybe someone like you. No. Or I don't know. Maybe. I'm kind of. Would you buy it if you saw it and you didn't think of it first? I don't know if I'm that passionate about anything <laughs> other than what I'm doing currently at the moment. You know? I don't have that much energy. <laughs> to buy. Well, I spent all of my energy on, on, you know, what we're doing artistically and then my job as well. So, also going out of my way to, like, print out cards for Bill Hicks. I don't know. Yeah. I think it would never get done. I, I'd like to have an intern. I could make an intern do it. <laughs> That's a CEO mentality. Like, right there, like, how's your internship going, Johnny? Man, it's kind of weird. Taylor has me keep printing these Bill Hicks little yeah. cards and handing them out to people on the street. I don't know if I'm learning anything about the yeah. music industry, but, yeah. uh... <laughs> yeah. It's whatever. I know that they're they're, you know, musicians are in some kind of uh, some kind of wreck on the inside. You're like, no, because nobody else would do this. And the, all, all musicians are like, oh, yeah, no, he's probably going through some, like, pretty rough right now. Um, I understand, but we all understand, even though it has nothing to do with the music industry, <laughs> but everything to do with the music industry. He's gonna, she's weird. It's like, it's so slow, nothing ever happens until they're ready for you, and then it's like, we need everything right now! Hurry! Yeah. Holy shit. Where were you ten months ago? Yeah. It's certainly something here, I've noticed in Nashville, where you're just constantly having to chip away at it in one form or another. You have to keep yourself sharp and your skills sharp. There's yeah. there's no one thing, I think, you know, for me it goes through cycles of focusing on different things. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like that makes me a, a sharper musician, whether it comes down to practicing. Like, I, I'm a really big believer in practicing and really just learning an instrument well mm -hmm. and trying to, yeah. to really study it and understand it because I, I do feel that playing is a vessel and yeah. being able to perform is a... Uh, when it when it's sinking, it's magical. Yeah, absolutely. There's this study where it shows that when you're playing in a band or with a couple people or whatever, you kind of whoever's like leading the moment is like kind of like synced up with your brain waves in a mm -hmm. way. Yeah, like so you're kind of all attached to that person leading the moment, and that way you know things are coming up, and it's like this instinctual, mm -hmm. awesome like yeah, no, I feel mental that connection. Too between people and friends and whatever. Uh, like recently I did that New Year's Eve show with that, that band, the Spiderberries, and I never played with them before. They never played with me before, but getting to know them through them being my backing band was really fun. Like we weren't just like sitting around getting stoned, playing Mario, which is great, but it, I love thinking about getting to know someone through art that way. Like, Did you rehearse with them before they were your backing band? I mean, we rehearsed up before the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they... That's scary. Well, no, because I... Well... No, I'm, I'm going to say no. I'm just such a dictator for my music. That I am, too, like, but we were... When new guys are popping in, I'm so nervous. So. Well, I'm, I like to think that I'm, I'm good at delegating tasks and getting people to do what I need to do the right way. And that's something I've been co concentrating on a lot lately is your words mean things. And you can kind of get your band members to do what you want them to do by 
it'd still be nice, you know. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, for sure. You don't have to have these huge one-on-ones or arguments in the middle of practice, which just don't do anybody any good. So like, you know, oh, this for is instance, definitely a great way to right. not do anything. We would be running through like Suffragette that. City, and I, I look over at the guitar player and be like, Hey, Mark, you, you, you got a distortion pedal on me? He's like, Yeah, I got one. I was like, You wanna, you wanna use it? I was like, I was like, just do that. Let's use all of that right now. Yeah. I want more. You know, I'm like, I get excited about like them changing it up, you know, or whatever. And he's like, okay, you know. And then I'm like, going to the gym, like, hey, let's fucking speed this up. Let's go. Come on. Instead of like, you're slow. You know, like you guys are not playing the right. Oh yeah, you're leading pooling too. Like you're next to them, like champion them. Like let's yeah. get on this shit together. Let's like do this that. together, yeah. and then like so you can get the best out of out of people in the right way or whatever. And. I don't know. They were really great about it and never complained or anything. They practiced on their own. and That's what I love the most about having a backing band is that they, they lived together and practiced on their own. Me and Greg and Molly would come in and just play our parts on top and it was like golden. Yeah. Whereas Tails, it takes like a lot of scheduling and I have to have like yeah. weekly practices and it has to just be a very controlled environment. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody gets emotional. Yeah, no. I, happens. I just, I, I'm now working with a drummer that has his own, you know, rehearsal space, so that would be nice saving some money. And, and so, like, that's like a plus hiring someone, isn't that? Oh, absolutely. Especially if you're, like, you know, paying Own PA system? Yes, drummers always have their own PA system. But yeah, uh, I have a, uh, a quote to close this episode out, and it's, To be civilized, one must tell civil lies. That's from uh, Queens of the Stone Age song, uh, Eat oh Family. God. He wrote that? Yeah. That is gorgeous. Think about that. Yeah. It's like, that's what we were talking about, that like, you know, it's nice, there's beautiful moments where like, regardless of like, your, your gender, your, your race, your sexuality, where someone's like, I got you, you know? Civil eyes, you know? Yeah. Like, we're okay right now. We brought it to a full circle. Yeah. To a close. Yeah. Well guys, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you. <laughs>